You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Tema Steg and Allison Vanor. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. I started Women in Media in 2010 as sort of a community group. We talked about women above and below the line because there weren't any organizations or conversations really happening about getting more women in the below the line positions, meaning women in the crew who are, you know, in the camera department, the art department, the grip and electrics department. There was only conversation happening about more women directors and being a scenic artist and a production designer, I knew that there are so many women in the crew, right? And there's only one director. So if we only aimed for one, we would never get to parity and there would never be room for women like myself who wanted to advance from these crew positions. So it started out more as a networking event. And also I was teaching at a college where the women really needed a lot of support. So between what I learned about what the women needed and also being out in the community, it became apparent that we needed a little more trajectory for the needle to move. So I started a crew list that was of women and from these events, there would be some men as well. And then everybody who got these contact sheets would have the opportunity to learn more about each other beyond the event. They would take each other to lunch or to coffee and really build their social networks, which is really how our business works. There have always been a lot of women making movies, but they're making them at the low budget range. And there's nothing wrong with low budget films. It's just, there should be more women with the opportunity to move up into higher budget, better production value jobs, because otherwise they get stuck or even worse, they would go into what's called director jail, right? So it's someone like Mimi Leader who directed Deep Impact, which was, you know, big splashy, you know, it was like Steven Spielberg's first production house, their first big big show and it was a huge hit massive hit and then she's another one there was another big hit and then she made one film pay it forward which didn't hit the numbers that everybody wanted it to hit it still made money still did okay but immediately boom she didn't get to make another feature for many many years she had to work in tv now this is at a time when television was not considered prestigious it was cheap it was like you know, the redheaded stepchild as it were. But because all these super talented women went to TV because they couldn't get film work, which was considered more prestigious, they changed the television industry because they could take chances. They could do exciting things. People want to see what they know, but different. They wanted a little bit different. And women were able to take those chances because they had the experience, but the budgets weren't as insane as they are for film. So that's why we now have this golden age of television, because all of these women were able to take those chances and were given the ability to make these incredible shows. I mean, look at the great shows that we have now and how diverse and inclusive and interesting television is now, whereas film is lagging.
Allison, your exciting Emmy award-winning show, After Forever, touches on members of the gay community that we hadn't really seen. Tell us a little bit about that and how it came to be and how it was to be a part of that. Yeah. So the co-creators, Michael Slade and Kevin Spirita, they had actually worked on a show together a long time ago and had never actually collaborated. And they ran into each other and both were interested in telling a story about older gay men, you know, and what it's like to be an older gay man and not having seen themselves on TV, themselves on the screen. They felt like there was something missing. You know, and they wanted to tell that story. Kevin, as an actor, also wanted to play that role. He's a good looking guy and he's always cast as the charming straight guy. And he was like, well, that's not me, you know, and obviously as an actor, he can play those roles, but it was important for him to also play gay roles. And so they came together and wanted to write a story about love and loss, but also didn't want it to be about AIDS, although the majority of their time growing up through the 80s and the 90s in New York and dealing with Broadway, they lost a lot of people, but that's not the story they wanted to tell. Those stories have been told, and there's a time and a place for those stories, but they wanted to tell a modern story about loss now because we all deal with loss. Like Tema was saying, in this particular show, it's um, dealing with cancer. Unfortunately, many of us have or will deal with loss because of cancer or other diseases or COVID, right? So, you know, just to tell a story that really is mainstream, the themes are themes that anybody, regardless of their sexual orientation, can relate to. So it was important to tell this story. And I think that that's why it has been so well received because it's a universal story about people we don't normally see. I mean, there are hundreds, if not thousands of jobs that people can do that are good paying career jobs in this industry that are not a writer, producer, director, actor, right? I mean, we can't do our job without all of the other people. And so I think that that's the unfortunate thing. You don't come out of college or you don't come out of school knowing every job that exists. But I think it's unfortunate that we kind of glamorize the people in those jobs because really they can't do their job without everybody else. So like part of what we've been doing this summer for women in media and for our members is we partnered with MBS Stages. They have stages all over LA, but then also all over the world. And they partnered with us to do a training program so that we can show our members and women in the industry you know, what jobs exist in the set lighting department or the grip department. And and then within those departments, what are all those jobs? And what do those jobs do? Like rigging, lighting board operator, dolly grip. There's like an entire department that is available to the people that can learn the skills. And so that's one of the things that we've been so excited about this summer is doing this training program introducing our members to those jobs, to the people working at the highest level in those jobs, and then coming out of it and being able to get hired and learn more. There is a real process to it and and everybody kind of does it the same way, but differently. 
you read the script and you have to do a script breakdown so that you know what you're designing for and so that you can have an intelligent conversation with the director. This is even before you have the job, right? You have to go in and get the job. So you come in with that, you come in with reference pictures. This is how I want it to feel. These are the color choices that come to mind. And a lot of it is changeable between your interview and getting it painted and done on set but you have to start somewhere. You can't just be in your head with this because we get concrete very, very quickly. The rubber hits the road fast for art department. So, you know, you have to design it. You come up with how do we want this to feel? And then what are the exact kind of furniture, the kind of wallpaper they'll have? And you give samples and you talk about it to make sure you're in the right direction. What is the right kind of architecture? for this situation or this kind of family or this recreation center, whatever it is that you're designing and why. We're always asking why. Why does it look this way? Why does it feel this way? What are we trying to convey to the audience? Because we're storytellers as much as anybody else. We decide where the windows and the doors go, and that's going to affect your lighting as well, which will then affect camera and lighting and all of that. We're going to set the furniture, which is going to affect the blocking. All these things come back to the production designer and the art department. Is it a cold space? Is it a warm space? Is it a, a space that's loving? Or is it a space where there's a lot of anger and destruction? All these things are so important to us and we have to really give it some very deep thought and collaborate with our creative teammates, whether it's the set decorator who's gonna help you find the furniture or it's going to be the DP who's going to light and shoot this and come up with the camera movements. And we're gonna work with them as really strong collaborators. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.